0: Bates Motel, it's the Dociverse Podcast, episode 27 Elf on a Shelf, Troll in a Hole, Fairy in a Dairy. On this episode, we have room number two of the five room dungeon, the beginning of a new feature, RPG prompts, and commentary. And now, I'll be right back to get things started as soon as I go take a shower. Hello, gentle listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you had a good week, it being Friday as I record this, around here at the DNG Cross Home for Grumpy Old Basset Hounds. We had a pretty ordinary week, not much exciting happening. I mentioned in the introduction there that, that we had a new feature here. It's going to be RPG Prompt, where I go back and take uh, three prompts every episode from previous RPG A Day prompt lists and see where they lead us as I riff on whatever they happen to be. I hope you enjoy that. The Doclopedia will, of course, be on hiatus for a while, but it'll be back at some point because I have thousands of Doclopedia entries. We are now coming to the point where, as I do every episode, I thank my wonderful, sweet, sweet patrons over on Patreon for supporting this podcast and, before that, the blog. So, thank you, David. Thank you, Avis. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Jame. Thank you, Marion. And thank you, Mark. You all are the chocolate-dipped, creamy caramel center. Just a few peanuts and a little bit of Marshmallow, best. Okay, folks, we now move on to the five-room dungeon. And, of course, we're not doing an actual dungeon this time. We are doing the Road to Nowhere. And we come to room two. It is the remains of an inn that's set on the road. It's falling down, but not completely gone. And when the players get there, they will find that there is the ghost of a young girl wandering around in front of the inn. She will tell them that she needs to be laid to rest properly. She was the last person to die when a band of raiders hit this inn and destroyed it, killed everybody inside, took everything of any value. Anyway, she needs to be laid to rest. They need to find her body. She's not 100% sure where it is, but it's somewhere either inside the inn or not too far away from it. If they find her body and give it a proper burial, say a few words over it, you know, maybe if you have a cleric, they can bless it. Then just before she goes into the light of whatever is beyond this earthly realm, she will give them a valuable piece of information about something further on down the road. Now, as GM, you can make up whatever you want that to be. You can adapt it to what I'll be describing in the rooms to come. Or you can stick something else in, whatever you feel like. But it should be something fairly important. This room is, of course, the puzzle or role-playing challenge. And this pretty much covers both of them because they're looking for a body and they're talking to this ghost and doing their role-playing thing. Next time, we'll do room number three and see what we get there. Now it's time to start our new feature, RPG Prompts. And I took these from the... 2020-2019 list, the prompts originally were questions. So it's only been the last three this year and the last two years before it where they actually did the one-word prompt. And those are what I've chosen to go with because they were the easiest ones to transfer over to a Word file, and that's where I keep all my stuff. The first prompt is beginning. And beginning covers a whole lot of territory. It can mean the beginning of an adventure it can mean the beginning of planning the game that you're going to run if you're a GM, or it can mean, you know, the beginning of creating a character, but it can also mean the beginning of role playing as an individual, your first time and new beginners. And we really, really need to help new people, new beginners get into it without, you know, a lot of hassle. In the old days, you had lots and lots of gatekeepers who would make it difficult for people to learn the game. I said, "Oh no, it's got a lot of words and stuff. You know, it's a lot. Of, it's pretty complicated. You probably couldn't play it." And they would say that to people they wanted to keep out of their group because, let's face it, in the beginning, Dungeons and Dragons was a little safe nerd haven. It's not that anymore. We have all sorts of people playing. It hasn't been that for a long time. It was that way for maybe the first couple of years. Except, of course, that the gatekeepers and the nerds and whatnot perpetuated it, at least in their own minds, in their area, and maybe in their group. So we need to make beginning as easy and as welcoming as possible for new players. That means if somebody wants to play and you're running a game at a con and you have an empty spot, let them play. And if they have never played a game in their life, help them. Tell them what they need to do. Maybe show them how the die rolls are done. Help them with their character. Have a pre-made character. Tell them about what the stats mean. Tell them how to role play. Help them out. Now going on to some of the other meanings of beginning. For me personally, there's always the beginning of a new series or campaign. To be honest, I do beginnings all the time. There are a thousand, thousand campaigns I will never run. But when it comes to the ones I know I'm going to run... Usually I've told my players in advance, well, in a few months when we end this one, we're going to start this one. It usually happens because I've seen or read a set of rules or I've read a genre, a splat book, whatever that piqued my interest. So I begin thinking about it and I come up with little bits and pieces and I think about how they're going to work. and I think about what characters would be best. It doesn't mean that's what we're going to get because players will... Create whatever characters they want. And that's kind of how the beginning is. It's lots of ideas. It's lots of thinking. Now we move on to our second prompt. And that's an interesting word. It's frame. Now, of course, you can have frame be part of the game, part of the adventure, where you frame somebody, or you are in fact framed for a crime. And that is a very popular thing among game masters i have had people start games with their characters accused of a crime murder robbery most often but sometimes murder sometimes blasphemy even i did that one time i had a whole i had a cleric party and i had them all accused of blasphemy it wasn't true it was church politics but there you go but the Meaning a frame that I want to talk about is something that's not done enough, if ever, in most games. It's framing the entire series that you're going to do. You see it in movies fairly often where, you know, it starts off with some guy, an old guy sitting there and he's talking to somebody. And yeah, I remember the summer of, you know, 1950 when I was blah, blah, blah. And then you have the movie. And it tells a story, and then at the end it goes back to the old guy, and sometimes you have a big revelation, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes it just ends the story. You know, he pays for a cup of coffee he was drinking and walks out of the restaurant or whatever. I think we need to do that more often with role-playing games, uh, with, with campaigns and series. We need to start with a frame. I, I think a good one would be, you have the characters sitting there, and they're old, and they're retired. Maybe they're you know maybe they've been to royalty or something. Maybe they're just you know old and busted ass because they've been adventuring, or whatever. Maybe if you're running pulp, you move it up into the nineteen sixties, and all these people are in their sixties or seventies. And they say, yeah, you remember that time back in 1928 when we first got together? And then you run a whole damn series. Maybe it's years long. And nowadays, I would actually record the first part of the frame where they're talking like that. And then whenever they finish it, maybe years later, I would play back that frame and I'd say, okay, now finish it up. Let's do the the end frame the ending part of the frame where you talk about well you know it's 1967 now and things have changed and blah 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 so yeah i think framing sequence for a series and most certainly framing sequences for like coin games that are only going to run for four or five six hours i think those would be great now the final prompt we have here is message and message has a couple of meanings. First of all, you have messages in the game. Like, you know, the players get a message from their friend in whatever country or whatever city, whatever, and uh, they have to go there and, you know, they have the adventure. That's very, very common, very common. Then there's messages between GM and players, or players and players. Now, of course, for all of us people who were playing way before there's anything like the internet and cell phones and stuff like this, sending messages back and forth was, you write a message down and you hand it to a player. Which meant that all the other players would then look at them and look at the GM and wonder what the hell you two were talking about. It was a great way to introduce paranoia. Uh, Not the game, but the actual mental state. I... Did it several times myself where I would just hand a note to a player and say, this is just a note because I want to get everybody wondering what the hell's going on. But sometimes you'd have a real message and sometimes players would pass messages, which would of course make the GM paranoid because it's bad enough actually hearing the screwy things that players come up with, let alone having them pass secret messages back and forth. Now, with the advent of cellular phones smartphones, I can actually send a text or a, a, an instant message or whatever to any of my players that I want, and they can read it, and, you know, it's all secret. Nobody, half the time, nobody even knows they've got a message. Uh, I just tell everybody, you know, keep your phones on, keep an eye on it. I may send out messages. It takes away the paranoid part, which as a GM, I kind of miss, but it makes giving messages, secret messages, background info, whatever the hell it is you're, you're giving to them, quest, asking them a question, you know, like, hey, did you leave the toilet running or something in there? Go jiggle the handle. Uh, just stuff like that. You can You can talk to your players without everybody knowing what you're talking about. So, yeah, messages, they're easier now, maybe not quite as much fun. Well, that's it for this program as far as prompts go. And I'll have three more on the next episode. Now it's time for my commentary. And this is one that is near and dear to every single gamer out there. Food at the gaming table. I don't know about you, but uh, my games very often have food. Especially nowadays, because we tend to play in a pizza restaurant. And everybody orders pizza or salads or whatever. But even at home... You know, it was always the chips, the Mountain Dew, the beer, the whatever you're having, whatever your particular group liked. And I just wonder what sort of snacks do people have? I know I have friends who prepare fairly lavish layouts, as far as food goes, for their gaming group. I mean, they cook things and they make things and they bake things and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't do that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I might once in a very great while, uh, but no, not really. Now, at my annual tune Game at DunderCon, I always bring cookies of some sort, and I always bring some candy for people to munch on. Sometimes I'll bring some chips, put them in a big bowl. And, of course, my friend uh, Kendra will bring by, as she's done for years now, a bag of some sort of promotional M&Ms. So every year we get some off-the-wall flavored M&Ms. Uh, we've had brownie, we've had strawberry shortcake. I geez, we we've had a bunch of them. So anyway, uh, snacks at the gaming table. I think it's a great idea whether you prepare a big meal or you just you know bring out the munchies. Everybody loves snacks. And it's a wonderful RPG tradition. Okay, it is time to say goodbye, because this episode is over with. And I would like to just take a moment to say, if you hear background noise, which I try to get out of the podcast, but sometimes not as efficiently as others, it's because I am once again recording it in the middle of the day. I don't usually do this in the middle of the day, but... Things you know kind of worked out that way. I had stuff going on last night. Anyway, thank you all for listening. If you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, I can be reached on Facebook, where I am Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Docverse blog, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com, or if you're listening via Anchor, you can leave a voicemail. If you'd like to support me via Patreon and hear these podcasts two weeks in advance before they go up on Anchor, get mini-podcasts, and be able to download PDFs of all sorts of things, then just go to www.patreon.com forward slash dot cross and sign up for as little as $1 a month. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast or advertise on it or just send me money because, by golly, I'm a nice guy, get in touch with me by any of the methods I just mentioned above. Our music this time, once again, was by Big Sandy and the Flywright Boys. It's an unnamed instrumental, and it came off the Free Music Archives. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. This podcast, and everything on it, except the music, is copyright 2021 by Doc Cross, who is an honorable man. So are they all, honorable men.